So the more you're able to like feel the lowest of lows, the more your capacity for expansion in all of the ways, instead of thinking about things as either negative or positive, just thinking about them as either expansive or contractive has been a super helpful reframe for me. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the Mad Happy Podcast. This is Phineas. Happy 4th of July, everybody. I hope you are enjoying a little bit of time off, a little bit of summer energy. I'm excited to introduce this week's episode, a conversation with Mason and Sophie Hollyweld, who is one half of the very popular and Grammy-nominated musical duo Sophie Tucker. The two talk about a lot of things mental health related and touring and music. Not only do I love the music by Sophie Tucker, this is a fascinating conversation. I think you'll find it very insightful. So without further ado, the Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism. Enjoy the show with Mason and Sophie. Where uh, where are you? I'm in New York uh, at home right now. Nice. Yeah. You, live, you live in New York, I take it then? Yeah, well, kind of. I live on the road, I would say, but... Yeah, when I come home, half the time it's New York, half the time it's Florida. And you guys are doing a lot of, uh, are you on tour or just like doing these like festivals or like I notice you've been playing a lot? Yeah, we kind of don't have a on tour and off tour thing. We kind of are mm. just always vaguely on tour, which <laughs> is not necessarily a long term uh, sustainable situation. Is but- that like? by design or or how did you sort of choose to structure things that way? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're really bad at saying no. Um, Mm. And opportunities are wonderful and abundant and isolation. Um, Yeah. But yeah, we're getting better at that. And I think we're also getting to a point in our career where like there's a little bit less of a scarcity mindset where it's like, if we go away, like we're not going to disappear and never be able to have a career in music again. Yeah, I think we're at like a, we're at like a similar point as a brand too. Honestly, we're like, you know, in the beginning, you want to like say yes to everything of like, oh, this collaboration with this partner and, and this person and let's shoot with this photographer and all those things. And then it gets to a point where it's like, all right, you don't, you're not really dealt with a lack of opportunity, but more like a lack of focus of like, all right, now I actually have choices to make and I can't say yes to everything. Um, Do you feel like you guys are sort of in that sort of place where now like, you know, you're successful, you've built a livelihood off this uh, music and and now it's sort of like, okay, now what do we actually want to do and pick and and sort of how do we want to build this thing? Yes and no. I mean, I think we're the type of people who are not ever going to be like, oh, we made it, you know, like here yeah, we are, yeah. pat ourselves on the back, sit down and not like hustle because we yeah. love to see where our potential can take us and um, yeah. kind of keep keep pushing. But I think, you know, having pushed for almost eight years now, we're also learning the value of resting (laughs) and honestly like you can create a lot of value when you're well rested oh totally I mean (laughs) even like when you're learning how to say no you know I think that there's so much beauty and and value and being able to like not only say no but then also like not think that that means that you like 
were an asshole or that you did something wrong or that like, you know, now this person's going to be mad at you, right? It's like all these things that, that we tell ourselves, like the repercussions that come with saying no, when in rea- like re- reality, there's something very like affirming and like vulnerable and, and confident and like smart and like saying no and like taking care of yourself in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been <laughs> labeled, self-labeled as very agreeable. Some people Mm. would call it people pleasing. And so my homework at the moment is to practice disagreeable um, like acts basically. So like in small ways, you know, being a, being being a minor asshole sometimes like, right. It's like, wow, this, this pasta is so good. You're like, I thought it sucked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then the more I can do it in these like really small ways where I'm just like, I'm not going to just agree with you. Like I'm going to, tell the truth essentially and protect myself um then the more i can do it in in more major ways that will serve me who was your uh your your teacher or therapist i imagine who maybe prescribed you this uh homework assignment yeah i have a i have a coach who kind of like accidentally became my coach uh, <laughs> just Sick. he was like a personal trainer i was working with randomly in in vienna and nice. austria and like slowly but surely our personal training sessions just became like two hour conversations Nice. and he gives me the most incredible homework and asks me the most profound questions that actually are related to personal training in a way (laughs) back when you were agreeing with everything and and he said can I be your coach and and you had to say yes No, actually, that conversation didn't even happen. It, it was really, it was really accidental in the sense that, like, it was organic. No, that's awesome. I know that uh, I was sort of reading a bit about you before, and it seemed that you moved around a lot as a kid. Is it like where did you actually sort of grow up? And that's different than where you were born, right? Uh, yeah, I grew up in a lot of different places. I was born in Germany, and I moved um, to different international schools my whole life because my dad was a headmaster of international schools. So I would wow. go essentially to the different schools with him. Yeah. Was that like instability sort of like hard for you to just sort of have consistency like socially and academically and all that? Or, or how did you sort of take to that like upbringing? Yeah, it was really hard as a teenager. Um, yeah. Being a new kid sucks <laughs> um, because, you know, you don't know yet what the cool kids like. <laughs> and yeah. so um, it sucks at first. But ultimately, I do think it was one of the best things that my parents could have done for me because when you can't keep up with the cool kids and you don't know what's cool in this country and, or what's, and like in that school, it was really cool. And then in that school, that's like the lamest possible thing. And there's a whole other set of like, you know, brands you have to wear to be cool or like activities you have to do to be cool or whatever. Like you realize how random it is. And you know, as, as a teenager to then just be like, I can't keep up with this. I don't, I can't keep up with what's cool. So the only option I have is to decide for myself what I like. Um, I think definitely has served me (laughs) in just thinking for myself and giving less shits about trying to keep up with coolness, which is just, yeah. You feel like you were able to sort of like, uh, sort of realize that at like a young age because you were moving around you're like all right I can't be this like social 
chameleon in all these different places. I sort of just have to like look within myself and just like do what I want and like what I think is cool. Yeah, essentially. And it's also like I picked up along the way, like, okay, cool. Well, this, this thing in this country spoke to me and this thing at this school spoke to me and then this thing at this school spoke to me. So I'm going to put all those together into what I like. Um, yeah, and I think that we're was most a lot of the, more Yeah, were were some of the schools in the states, or, or how did you like learn English in that way? If you yeah, in Germany? yeah, I I went to a school in Atlanta, Georgia for for many years, and then I oh, nice. went to school in Victoria, British Columbia as well, and oh, then nice. went to high school in Italy. Wow, that, <laughs> really all over the map. Yeah. <laughs> When did uh, when did music sort of become something that that piqued your interest in that way? It was always something that I've used as like a therapeutic tool. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like like the first time I did a major move when I was a teenager, um, I was very depressed, and yeah. I used music as a way to write about my feelings and sing them. And yeah, it was just like that. Thing that I did for myself and all throughout college I was still writing music I ended up moving to Brazil I'm really obsessed with bossa nova and Brazilian jazz and um sick then I basically was writing music in Portuguese to sort of deal with the fact that I was really missing Brazil and all of this was just something that I did for myself and I felt like I had such a an amazing education that I also had an enormous responsibility to serve the world. Um, You know, I was, I was educated in this, like my high school was 200 students from 100 countries who were chosen by their country to go to the school um, because their country believed that they would be future leaders. And that sounds like Hogwarts. Yeah. And nobody could pay to go. It's not like a, (laughs) you know, it's not like a rich kid school. Like it was, it was, really beautiful really amazing you learn all these conflict resolution skills to get along with people from all over the world but also it came with a pretty enormous sense of responsibility um you know i sort of felt like i had to use my education to bring about world peace (laughs) like that was on my shoulders and um i thought that singing and dancing even though that's something that i love to do the most was a selfish path and I yeah. kind of felt like that's not really like using my education to its maximum potential. So yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> so, so did you sort of have these like two paths as a kid of like, all right, I'm on this like line of like, you know, uh, academic pursuit and, and sort of like political interest, maybe like world peace, like being this leader in that way. And then I have this like hobby on the side that I really like to do, but I don't think that's ever like going to be viable in that way. Yeah, exactly what like how were you able to sort of follow your dream and and really like lean into the music at that point um so i met my bandmate tucker uh in college we both went to brown and our senior year he was like you know hey will you move to new york and form a band with me um (laughs) and i was like no i have i have things to do absolutely not yeah (laughs) i don't even know you and um he was very convincing he basically just told me that I would be able to have an impact on the world and do all the things that I feel like I was educated to do um, on a bigger platform if I were to make music. 
And I think I just deep down just really wanted to sing and dance all the time. So it didn't yeah. take that much convincing. And then my parents kind of telling me that they supported me, um, you know, was the thing that tipped it over the edge. It's uh, it's safe to say that Tucker was right, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> now, who knew? You know, now we're in a position where slowly but surely, I think I'm trying to pivot you know, I think that it's really important to establish ourselves as as music first. You know, music mm-hmm. is our bread and butter, and that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we offer, and you know, our shows and our our recordings, etc. But we're also now at a place where I get to explore a lot of my other interests and kind of look for ways to be more of service. Now that more people are listening and more people are showing up, mm-hmm. you know, there's like all sorts of things that you can start doing uh, once that happens. No, hundred percent. I think that like reminds me a lot of like what we're sort of building at Mad Happy here is like, you know, we were a clothing company, like apparel is our bread and butter. I'm actually wearing a Mad Happy uh, tank top right now. Oh, sick. Um, (laughs) You know, but it's like, as, as you sort of uh, build your foundation and like get a little bit of success and notoriety, it's like now you're able to sort of see how you want to grow and how you want to build your like ecosystem and universe and like what other things can we sort of do you know like this podcast being one of them this has nothing to do with clothing you know and it's like amazing to be able to do these other things to help spread the mission of the brand and like some of the other interests like you know even you bring up like being of service you know I've been in like recovery for like over five years and I think like you know acts of service and like being in like of service is really one of the most fulfilling like rewarding really favorite things in my life so it's, it's cool to see um and hear from your perspective that it's like, yeah, I'm like so grateful for this music thing and like where it's gotten me and there's more that I want to do as well. Yeah, for sure. In addition to, you know, continuing to do one of the things that makes me happiest, exactly. writing, writing music. But yeah, I, the reason I was late, I was just on a um, panel about, you know, being sober in the music industry and um, a, a whole group of people who are, you know, trying to support other musicians who maybe want to become sober too. <laughs> nice. When did you get sober? Uh, 10 years ago. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So basically right when I was uh, allowed to, to drink <laughs> is when I stopped. <laughs> I just uh, I just celebrated five years uh, on Saturday, actually, on June 3rd. Nice. Congrats. Yeah. What? Uh, so you were what, like 21 years old or, or 18, I guess, if, if you were in Europe or something? Yeah. Well, I was 21. Um and I really became sober. Nice. Was was there sort of like a rock bottom that that you faced that sort of made you come to that realization, or, or like what sort of led you to making that decision? Um, there were a lot of bottoms, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't say there were a lot of r- rock bottoms, or I didn't necessarily get to that point. Um, ultimately, it was a very slow realization you know, over Mm. a couple of years, um, I started, I mean, first of all, like I had a bunch of shitty experiences when I was really drunk where like I put myself in danger and I, um, did things I wish that I hadn't done. Um, (laughs) but really it was starting yoga teacher training. I like became Mm. so into yoga. I became a yoga teacher in college and like the whole point of our training was, to learn how to become as present as we could, you know, really be in touch with the subtle sensations of our bodies 
And mm-hmm. in the training, we were like, you know, not supposed to eat meat and not supposed to drink alcohol. And then after the training, you know, I had a little bit of alcohol and I was like practicing yoga and I was like, this is so much harder. Like all the things that I'm trying to do and I'm working so hard to become more present and notice the subtle sensations of my body. Like I can't do that when I'm drunk or when I'm hungover. So hmm, interesting. Um, and then slowly but surely it just became something that I realized was not additive to my life. And when I actually moved to New York and, you know, formed a band with a guy who I didn't even know that well in a community of people who I didn't really know that well, who were also, by the way, all dudes at nightclubs <laughs> until 5 a.m. every night in New York. Yeah. I was like, you know, I think it's a better idea if I just always say no than if I sometimes say yes, because I, I think this could get dark. Like I've seen enough music documentaries. I know how they all end. Like, hmm. I'm going to just not. And uh yeah, I mean, I, I like I wouldn't say that I was ever an addict. I've never been in a, a recovery program, but mm. it's you know definitely something I'm so grateful that I did. And yeah, to this day, I you know I stayed sober. That's amazing. It, it's uh, I was kind of a similar story of like you know I wasn't um, you know like waking up and like hitting the bottle sort of like first thing like that sort of alcoholic, but but it really was like all right, I had some really low moments like bottoms like you said and it's like all right let's let's sort of look at these like bottoms and depressive moments it's like what what are sort of the common things that are going on here right like drugs weed alcohol right it's like you can start to sort of like see a pattern and then it was really like I'm already someone who struggled with like depression anxiety a lot in my life and it was like all right clearly these things aren't really like helping me get to where I want to go if anything they're like pulling me back or just keeping me in place like so it's like all right how can I sort of just like build my life to, you you know, set me up for the best chance of happiness and fulfillment and joy and like all these things. And I feel like that's really sort of how I've built it. And I think, you know, it's, it's so cool that like, there's no right or wrong way to sort of do it. You know, I think it's all sort of like, like an individualistic approach and like whatever sort of works for you, like work that. Um, But yeah, I, I can relate to you. It's on there. Something that I was super interested to talk to you about was being in a band with just one other person, like, you know, I have two other partners here and I know that's like, we were friends before. Um, and it's, you know, brought its whole sort of trials and tribulations and you got to sacrifice this to work on this and creativity and collaboration and all of that. Um, and I would just love to hear sort of like how your experience in that has been sort of like how it started. Obviously it seems like you guys met and then had the idea to sort of form the band like shortly after, like you weren't super close friends or anything. Um, but how has that sort of experience been? I imagine it's like changed and shifted a ton. Um, but yeah, would love to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's just been amazing. It's one of the most amazing things that happened in my life was meeting Tucker. And I was thinking about it this morning because, um, I, I forget what podcast I was listening to, but you know how people say like you end up, um, becoming attracted to the things that are familiar to you not necessarily mm-hmm. the things that are good for you mm-hmm. and i very much resisted working with tucker because it was very unfamiliar to me um mm. just like everything about him it was unfamiliar to me where you literally come from different planets and so i didn't necessarily recognize when it came into my life that it was going to be so wonderful um yeah and it took us like 
a year and a half to two years to actually like become friends. <laughs> we wow. were just making music together. And um, over and are time, you like, are you working during this time or like you just dedicating yourself to music full time or like what's the paint the picture for me a little bit? Yeah. So basically, like we met in college, we started making music while we were in college and we right. didn't like hang out socially. Like we would just meet up and make music and then right. he would or, go or like and do class. his yeah. jock thing <laughs> and I would go do my nerd thing, you know, and, um, and then we moved to New York again still like I was like I just didn't he we were on different planets in so many ways and then um long story short I broke my toes and I had to move home which at the time was the Netherlands I lived in a wheelchair for four months and while I was in a wheelchair Tucker and I spoke on Skype (laughs) Skype was the thing at the time um every single day and he had gone through an experience uh, in his basketball career. He was a basketball player. Then he got mono. Okay. He was in bed for eight months and taught himself how to make music. And yeah. um, anyway, so while I was in bed and in a wheelchair for four months, we talked every day and he really supported me and helped me, mm. you know, with my own stuff that was coming up. Um you know, I was really scared that my feet would never recover. It wasn't like a, a definite thing. Um, there was a lot of anxiety, I think, from both of us around whether or not we'd make it as musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of like uh, enoughness um, totally. worries. And yeah. so we talked every day and became extremely vulnerable, got to know each other really, really well. And during that period of time when we were just on Skype every day is when I was like, oh, wow, like this guy's, this is a really good guy. <laughs> he, uh, he and I have a lot to offer each other from very different perspectives. And, you know, over the course of the last seven, eight years, now we live together. We're best friends. Like even when we're not touring, we still live together, which is psychotic. Wow. But um, yeah. <laughs> what ended up being so unfamiliar to me was so good for me because he comes from such a different world is able to challenge me in ways that I never would have challenged myself and and vice versa and all of I I will say that all of my um conflict resolution education has very much come in handy in a duo (laughs) totally I think like the most beautiful part of that whole story to me is like you know through a through a tragedy you know through like like a moment of like suffering and struggling was like born this beautiful thing you know and I think that's really what like Mad Happy is entirely about and like even when I thought of the name I was in like a super serious bout of depression and it's like in those moments when we're willing to like let the fears and judgments and insecurities in and like sit with them and learn from them and talk about them and all these things it's like that's where the beautiful shit like gets born out of like the 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 sunshine after a storm like that is like amazing and I feel like so many people you know that when they're in some of those moments it's like you choose to ignore them or just you know go out to party and distract yourself or don't talk about them and it's like that's really to me those are like the most important times of life you know yeah like I, I think about um feeling as this might sound kind of obtuse but like as a as a circle instead of like as a line so like instead of being mm-hmm. like okay this is the middle and then there's like mm-hmm. positive above here and the negative below here 
It's like actually yeah. like the more this grows in the, in the, in the negative space, you're actually just expanding your circle and your capacity for, for feeling. So also your yeah. capacity for joy is expanding at the exact same time. So the more you're able to yeah. like feel the lowest of lows, the more your capacity for expansion in all of the ways. This also, this comes from a, a friend of mine wrote a book called Bending Reality. And she talks all mm. about expansion and contraction as like the two kind of um, forces of the universe. And instead of thinking about things as either negative or positive, just thinking about them as either expansive or contractive has been mm. a super helpful reframe for me. I love that. What, uh, what was the book called again? It's called Bending Reality. I'm going to have to check it out. I'll write it down. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it, it, it's so applicable like to every scenario. And it's such a good starting question. Like if you don't know where to start with what it is that you're feeling, because it's feeling too big or too scary or too whatever, like does mm -hmm. it feel con contracting in your body or yeah. does it feel expanding? And like yeah. no matter what it is, you can make it expansive, even if it's, you know, quote unquote, the, the most horrible negative experience of your life. The, the actual thing you want to avoid is contraction. How did you guys go about like sort of defining your sound or like what kind of stuff do we want to make or like was it was it born out of those vulnerable times did you share sort of like influences with each other was it supernatural did you have to sort of sit down and talk about it or like how did that sort of come about of like what do we want this to be yeah a lot of it came from that time um when i was in the wheelchair so before yeah. you know before we really even made the bulk of the music but um it's also constantly evolving. You know, we're still, yeah. we're still having those conversations every day where there are different things that move us and different things that we're inspired by. And then we sort of ask ourselves, well, like, how does that fit into what we do and what we're trying to create here? And mm. the, the first song we made was called Drinky. And I would say that was like the foundation for a lot of it because it yeah. was just like the combination of our brains coming together. And that became... Um, somewhat of a like thing that we always return to, which was like, okay, there's like a mantra Portuguese moment inspired mm -hmm. by poetry. There's electric guitar. There's like house music, you know, electronic elements. So you have the combination of like raw live instruments, electronic, danceable sounds, yeah. and then yeah. like poetry. Yeah, I love the sort of like mantra poetry element that you bring up to me is like the most sort of like profound element where, you know, you pair that with the sort of like dance electronic and then it gets into like this sort of rhythmic meditation almost where like that's where you really sort of like tap in and sort of like go deeper. But with like lyrics that are more, you know, thought provoking than like let's party you know but it's just like whoa like what are, like what are we like something to actually think about and like sink into yeah i love it when lyrics are like um they're like they're actually like let's party but if you listen a little bit closer like right. yeah. <laughs> there's there's something more to it and there's something um that if you choose to listen to the lyrics you can go deeper but like you don't necessarily have to like it's not gonna like smack you in the face with like uh, like a, a, a preaching kind yeah. of vibe, which yeah. is something I, um, I try at least to be really careful about. So it's sort of like, <laughs> if you want to go light, stay light. If you want to go deep, it's there for you. 
Right. Like there's right. There's there's nuance if you want to read into it, but otherwise just listen and float on the surface. Yeah. And, and have or a great even time. like, you know, sometimes it's in Portuguese. So like if it's in Portuguese, then like just listen to the sound and enjoy. And like you can yeah. see it as like a mantra of sound. Pull up your Google Translate and yeah. Or if you really want to know what I'm saying, like there's <laughs> there's some like fun wordplay that like you yeah. could get into if you want. Do you feel sort of like pressure in any way to like I know you said like we we'd like to keep ourselves still like undefined, you know, what what we want to sound like, what we want to look like. Is there any pressure now like having success to like we've established ourselves like in this box, we sort of must like, you know, fulfill our fans or or this lane that we've like put ourselves in to like stay on or like how do you think about that and like, you know, being a business at the same time of like being an artist and creating art? Um, I still feel a lot of freedom, um, yeah. creatively, especially with genre, like genre is not something that I feel confined by at all. And I think in fact, sometimes it's almost been to our detriment where people are like, well, they're not really like electronic enough for the DJ stage. And they're not really like mm. live enough for the live like, stage. And like, I don't where do really we put these guys? Put yeah. yeah. But I think the things that have been, that's cool though. I think, I think, I mean, it's what keeps it interesting for me. Like I don't, yeah, uh, I don't want to be limited by genre. Cause then when I, when we go to make music, we can't just write what's turning us on in the moment. Like yeah. then we have to kind of limit ourselves. So I like thinking about it more in terms of values. Mm. Uh, um, like we've maintained, I would say throughout our career, uh, a level of like, um, positivity and i don't say that in like the what what's the word where like like spiritual bypassing or what like when you're uh-huh, like uh-huh. stay positive at all costs it's like no yeah, yeah. like we're talking about a different type of positivity here which like also has room for sadness and you know hard times but yeah. um but ultimately like uh <laughs> we're a positive band i would say for you know <laughs> um and we tend to be very colorful you know we've gone out of our way to be as inclusive as we can be um, uh, and sort of like energetic and, and joyful. And those are things that I think we consistently will have in our music. And even, even though sometimes it's nice to surprise ourselves and just color outside the lines and just wear all black yeah. and just be like, surprise. I don't know. Today I just felt like wearing all black today. You're there's gotta like be, today. there's yeah. gotta be room for, you know, being a human and not just like, a brand um but i mean maybe this is also something that tucker thinks about more than i do to be honest i i i don't feel limited creatively at all yeah does he like does he sort of have a more like like business brand sort of like image critical mind and like you sort of don't or like where do you guys sort of like uh i would say this way. way like i'm the type of person who um like in the middle of the airport will like take off my shoes and stretch on the floor. And I'm the type of person who also in the middle of the airport will like ball my eyes out like uninhibitedly or like, I just don't have that strong sense of what is socially acceptable. And Mm. I'm not that I'm kind of in my own world a lot of the time which isn't to say I can't notice what's happening around me, but sometimes it's a little hard for me to notice what's happening around me. Um, whereas yeah. Ta- Tucker is a, is an excellent DJ. 
who's really good at reading a room, really good at understanding what people want, um, what kind of vibe they need next in the set. And so I think like, because of like, as I was saying, we're such opposite human beings. And so I think yeah. I, I operate a little bit more in the like, it's like ethereal, like yeah, in, in my own little yeah. world of like what I, you know, and I think he operates a little bit more on, on this planet. Um, yeah. And I that mean, probably, I think, I think yeah. it makes sense. I feel like you, you know, you grew up around a dozen different like cultures, like, 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 you know, who's to say what's like acceptable and what's not when you're a kid, like soaking up all this different like things, like socially, politically, like just everything. It's like you're a, a nice collage of the world, I guess. Yeah, I also definitely have some, you know, ADHD, which in 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 girls, as I've read, often presents in in the way that I'm describing, which is sort mm. of it's not like um it's not like <laughs> like it's often undiagnosed in in girls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it doesn't look like what you typically see ADHD as like like, like the this, hyper like the hyper. Yeah, you, it's not like running. imagine instead of like um as like hyper and frenetic imagine that yeah. but like kind of in the brain so i was reading this book about adhd and they're describing like the girl who's like looking out the window in class and like just like kind of looking at the leaves and how they're falling that's more me i'm also that's very it. energetic and frenetic but and but you know i yeah. think part of me not necessarily even noticing ways in which i'm being like socially taboo around stretching in the airport while I'm bawling yeah. my eyes out is because I'm also not, I'm, I don't know. I just, that's how my brain works. I don't always, yeah. <laughs> I don't notice that it's not appropriate until Tucker yeah. tells me. <laughs> you got to put your shoes back on. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can't be doing this. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you about? talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, was there like a like a singular moment, like a we made it moment for you guys? Like a holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. Or like when you sort of like, you know, decided, all right, this is what I'm going to pursue now full time. And, and maybe I'll be like a world diplomat, like in my next life or something. There have been a couple moments, but I don't feel like I've ever, quote, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think we've quote unquote made it. Like that, I don't, yeah. I don't know. That's not really the type of mentality that I have or we have. Um, yeah. I would say we are constantly interested in evolution um, yeah. and will always be. And that said, like there is definitely moments where, you know, last week we were writing with some of the most talented musicians in the world. And I just, yeah. you know. I would leave the studio and just like in awe, just absolutely like pinch wow. me. I yeah. can't believe that these people are taking me seriously as a, as a songwriter, you know, I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Um, and you know, I have, I had that moment for sure at Coachella this year. Mm. Um, I, we've had that moment. Was that your guys' first time there? It was actually our third time, but you know, every time we've oh, done it, great. it's gotten bigger right. yeah. and yeah. you know, it's, uh, more expansive yeah yeah it's it's pretty epic every time i would say we have sort of pinch me moments all, all the time which is really awesome yeah <laughs> was it just was it just like the scale this year like what what was it about this year that was sort of like whoa yeah i would say the scale is one of the biggest things and yeah um we created a brand new live show which 
took years to create. So seeing it come to life was just, um, was just so cool. I mean, you know, they're the type of thing where like five years ago we brought it up. We were like, can we please, you know, to our, to our tour manager and managers, can you please mm. have a, a monkey bar on stage and like a trampoline? And they're like, no, like that costs so much money. There's so much <laughs> like, um, insurance that we have to figure out like your stage yeah. your stage isn't big enough for that you know all that kind of stuff and then this yeah. year i'm like jumping on the trampoline and i'm climbing on the monkey bars and i'm like wow like this is so That's cool so to sick. have this dream five years ago and suddenly i'm doing it in front of all these people and i i and i still have all sorts of goals where like hopefully in five years i'll finally be able to to do it and realize it yeah that's sick. It's uh, you guys are playing a lot of uh, a lot of the big festivals this year, right? I think I saw you on like was it Lala or Outside Lands or like a few a few of those. Yeah, we're doing Godball this weekend. We've got Godball, Bonnaroo, Oceaga, uh, Lollapalooza, Lollapalooza Stockholm. Yeah, European sick. festivals all, all over. How do you like performing um, for a festival versus like a solo show? Um, I love it. <laughs> I just like performing yeah. period. Yeah. I mean, they're just different. Like a festival show is usually bigger, uh, more people. Mm. And yeah. sometimes people who haven't necessarily even heard of you or like haven't seen totally. a show of yours before. So there's a little bit more, maybe of a challenge, a fun challenge to kind of like win them over. To like bring, yeah. bring people in, yeah. Whereas, you know, a headline show is like, they've already bought into like what we're about. And like, this is- They're just happy to be here. They're yeah. just happy to be there. So you can take them on a longer, more complex journey and, yeah. and like know that they'll sing every word and, and that kind of thing. Nice. Um, what is sort of your like uh, mental health care sort of like practice look like these days? I know you mentioned like your, your sobriety and your own way of doing it. I know you brought up yoga a bit earlier. Like how do you sort of uh, keep your mental health in check uh, these days? Okay. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, okay. So let's go. <laughs> every morning I meditate. I go on a yeah. gratitude walk, which is the best thing in the world. And if mm. I can drag anyone else with me, I will, which is basically go on a walk, talk about what you're grateful for, and then you talk about your intentions for the day. Um, then, nice. How long, how long of a walk is that uh, usually? It depends. Depends how much time I nice. have. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's like we, we've gotten to the point, like sometimes we're on tour and like, I don't know, there's not time for a, a real right. walk. It's like a, so it's we'll, a literally, we'll literally walk in a circle in the green room. You know, I'm just like, I just have to, it's just one of those things that's like a non-negotiable for me because yeah. I, I know how good it feels to get into that. You know, it's like, there's a lot of science around it to get into that gratitude mind space. Totally. And it sounds so cliche, but it's like, it's so effective. It's yeah. so effective. Um, so those are sort of my non-negotiable morning things. And is it a specific sort of uh, meditation um, practice that you do or, or just sort of your own? Yeah, it's, it's, a it's like, um, Vipassana cheating. So, okay. <laughs> so I did a Vipassana retreat a couple of years ago, which is, you know, it's just like noticing the sensations of your body. You can either just like mm. notice the sensations of, of, of your breath going in and out of your nose, which is technically mm -hmm. called Anapana, or you can notice the full body, which is Vipassana. Um, but technically you're supposed to do it for an hour in the morning and an hour at night. And wow. I, I do 10 minutes in the morning because that's, that's just good. I mean, that, the only that puts, realistic that's, that's thing. Triple, that's triple TM. That's, that's a lot. 
That's triple TM. Oh, oh, the one hour. Yeah. No, like they're the, the, the yeah. transcendental meditation that's like super common is like the 20 minutes twice yeah. a day. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's, it's a lot. It's really not, not feasible for me, but, um, <laughs> but I do enjoy doing it. Um, yeah. and then I would say the other thing that I honestly suck at, uh, but I'm trying to improve is my, my phone hygiene. So, you know, mm. Um, I'm actually looking into what is the best alarm clock that's not my phone so that basically I can set the alarm, go to bed. Then when I wake up, I turn off the alarm without ever looking at my phone and then set mm. the timer on for, Do my, your for my meditation. Like before without, you look at a phone. Exactly. So all that's, I need is a really good portable alarm system. And I haven't nice. done that yet, but that's my next. Are you just like, are you just like ordering ones off Amazon and like, testing them out or like what's the yeah what's the process i just need a small enough one the last one i got was too bulky but yeah that's the, in progress yeah i really try and like you know try to really not look at my phone even like I, until i get to the office every morning obviously i'd like i do use it for the alarm to wake up but i try and not just like check texts or, or emails and i have like a you know 35 40 minute commute so i kind of let that be like my sort of like meditation sort of like moment. And then it's like, all right, like now I'm here. But like, I, I find to just sort of like flood my brain with that much stimulation and like alerts and like notifications. First thing when you wake up, it's just like, it, it's, that's not how I want to start the day. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. People talk about it like being sort of like reactive rather than active, like responding rather than coming from mm -hmm. yourself outward. Mm -hmm. Something I'm really working on. This is, this is not something I'm good at right now. Um, yeah. So uh, what's after the walk? Okay, so after the walk, you know, I start my day. So, um, <laughs> so, so the, like the, throughout the day, you know, I would say the other sort of mental health things are just really keeping in close contact with a select number of friends who mm -hmm. are my rocks, who will remind mm. me who I am, and who yeah. make me laugh a lot. Um, and and then at night, uh, and same same with my family. And then at night, I, I journal every night. It's just like, a, it's almost a compulsion at this point. I just can't not journal before I go to yeah. bed. Um, but it's sort of like a brain dump kind of journaling or like a, this is the story I'm telling myself right now. And this is the story that yeah. I would prefer to tell myself right now. Um, let yeah. me see if I can shift it. And then... Will that sort of make its way into the music at all or are you conscious about sort of like setting boundaries or like where do you where do you draw the line there when it comes to like writing and, and journaling and whatnot i mean it'll make its way into the music just in the sense that the music is about whatever it is just that like i'm thinking about yeah. right now yeah. and yeah. same with the journaling but the journaling is not like it's not like beautiful it's not poetry i'm not trying to no no it's, no it's one is reading mess. this yeah it's a mess it's a stream of consciousness yeah. yeah 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 so i think for sure i bet it helps my creativity um and it helps me think about things uh, but yeah, I don't know, I guess sometimes I will write something and then I'll grab it from my, I'll like open up the journal and just be like, what have I been yeah. thinking about? Oh, interesting. Oh, oh, let me just use this <laughs> in a, in a lyric. Um, yeah. I also have like a thing on my phone. That's just like lyrics that I hear in mm. life that I'm constantly yeah. adding to like my word bank or phrase bank to pull from. Nice. Yeah. What would you, uh, what would you sort of say to someone who like is looking to, start to take their mental health more seriously or is like, you know, interested in like making a change. It seems like you've got such a great 
routine for yourself? And I'm just curious, sort of like how you were able to start and, and sort of like piece it all together in, in terms of what works for you. What would I say? I think it depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah. Because there are some people who I know would respond really well to a certain book or a certain podcast. There are some people who I know would be really close to that and who I would probably talk to in a little bit of a different way. I think it depends on like their their current level of, <laughs> oh, mind health. I like the shift from mental health to mind health because mental health has a stigma. Mind health mm-hmm. feels more like exercising your mind or like keeping mm-hmm. your mind in good shape, which mm-hmm. I, I prefer as a language shift. Um, yeah, I, I would just say like start start small and start where you are. And, you know, once people get like positive reinforcement like once you do something for your mind health and it starts to work and you feel a little better then you will naturally be drawn to keep doing that thing and then you can kind of uncover all sorts of other i mean there's there's an endless you know pool of possible tools to to choose yeah yeah i think that makes sense i feel like one of the sort of like you know blessings and curses with like mind health in that way is that it's like not one size fits all. Like it really is like you have to sort of like throw a bunch of shit at the wall and like see what works for you. Like you might hate journaling or or you might love it or like meditation. You can't do it for one second or it could change your whole life, you know? And I feel like the, the baby steps thing that you bring up is really sort of like the approach that I know has worked best for me. It's just like, all right, just what's something new that I can just try today and then really see, okay, did that sort of make me feel like, like I'm moving in this direction or I'm moving in that direction and then just sort of like take it from there in a way. Yeah. The, I, I continue using this idea of just doing the things that turn you on and mm. you know, there are going to be ways to support your mind health that are fun for you that do turn you on. Um, I would start there. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Um, well, I have two more questions for you that we end every episode with uh, that I will ask you. The first is, if you could nominate anyone to come on the show, uh, whether you know them or not, someone who's been a huge inspiration for you, your mind health journey, your musical career, um, anyone in that regard, who would it be? Are you actually going to invite them on? Is this like a realistic thing? Yeah, absolutely. Is that the idea or is it more of like a call out who you're inspired by kind of thing? I think it depends sort of like where the question goes, but like we've had people answer and like we've gotten that person on and then we've had people answer with like, you know, Barack Obama and it's like okay I'm not I'm not I'm not sure we can swing that one all right Uh, yeah I'm gonna nominate uh LPGOB she's an artist she's also my best friend and she's the person who I have this conversation with probably the most Mm. and who who I who I'm constantly inspired by yeah that's beautiful where uh where'd you guys meet we met at a show yeah she was she was opening for us and we ended up taking her on tour and you know, lived on a, in a, in a minivan for many months together. <laughs> and now her career is just totally blowing up. She's traveling the world and wow, everything is wonderful. And also, you know, she's having to pay special attention to how she cares for her mind health because it's hard to travel yeah. that much. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, amazing. Yeah. Would love to meet her. And uh, lastly, Sophie, what makes you mad happy? Hmm. What makes me mad happy? Uh, my tea, my jasmine tea makes me mad happy. 
I Love like it. I go to bed at night like dreaming about it. Like I just can't <laughs> wait to wake up in the morning and drink my tea. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And music makes me mad happy. I yeah, love well, that music. was that was the obvious one. That, yeah. yeah, but it's like it's obvious, but it's also like, uh, it's right. so it's so real. I just love music. Yeah, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was amazing uh, to chat and learn more about you, and uh, yeah, just really love what you guys are doing, and and for being just a mind health ally in all the ways that you are. Um, and we can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thank you. Yeah, I hope this is useful to somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Sophie. Bye. That's it for the podcast this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things wherever you listen to your podcast so you'll never miss an episode. We will be back next week. Thank you all for listening. Take care. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.